that Jesus is worthy. We want to be people of joy, Lord, but we come into this place and oftentimes when we come in, we come feeling shame and condemnation and we want to come before your presence without that. We thank you that in Jesus we have freedom from condemnation and freedom from that shame. We, we now come set free by the blood of Jesus. So as we come to your word, may it give us life. May it transform us. Make us more like Christ. And as our kids go back and they hear about Jesus and they, they sing together and they worship together and they hear the truth of Your Word, Lord, I pray that You would work in their lives. That all of us would be made into the image of Jesus, more and more like Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated and we're going to dismiss our kids to go back to OPBC Kids Worship. If it's your first time um, here, feel free to walk them back. Love to help them get settled back there. This is a great time for them to grow together in the Lord and hear things about Jesus on their own age level. So hopefully I'm on your age level. As you turn to Exodus chapter 19 and also Hebrews chapter 12. So I'm going to ask you to find both places in your Bible. We're going to spend most of our time in Hebrews chapter 12, but we've been working our way through the book of Exodus. And if you're visiting with us, we want you to know that we, we work book by book. You can go through that door right there, and they're going to meet you. Awesome. Mr. Mr. Danny, will you help him get to where he needs to get? Awesome. Thanks. All right. Exodus chapter 19. We're working our way through the book of Exodus. We're working our way just through the Bible to, to know more of who God is. And we believe that the Bible on every page really has to do with Jesus pointing us to Christ and He is at the center of the story. And so far in this story of Exodus, we've we've now been brought to Mount Sinai, this place that God first met with Moses and said, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And when he lets you go, you're going to come back here to worship me. And so the people have now come around Mount Sinai to worship him. We looked at this last week and the need for God's people to consecrate themselves, to be prepared to meet with God. We're not ready. We're not ready to meet God. We're not ready because He is holy and we are not. We're not ready in our own strength. We're not ready in our own ability. We're not ready in our own self-righteousness. And so God comes down to meet with His people. And He makes demands upon His people because He is holy. So we want to spend some time today really diving into that. But I want to kind of let you know where we're going. After, uh, After a short Easter series... We're leading up to Easter and then a short series on generosity that we're going to deal with for a few weeks. This summer, we're going to dive into the Ten Commandments. And I I want you to have a proper view of the Ten Commandments, a proper view of Mount Sinai as believers in Christ. And so I thought it was really important for us to just camp out here, like the Israelites, camp out at Mount Sinai and get a real view of what's happening here so that we have a clear picture of what Scripture tells us is happening uh, through the giving of the law. So if you remember where we are, the people of Israel are at the base of Mount Sinai, brought there by God through Moses, delivered from Egypt to worship the Lord. And as they are there, they're washing their clothes, they're getting ready to meet with God. And when he shows up, it is a fearful day. When he shows up, a long trumpet blast, the people are fearful, they're quaking in their sandals, they don't know what to do with themselves. They actually get to the point of saying, if if you could just talk to Moses, that would be great because we can't deal with hearing from you. It's so awful and so full 
of fear for the people. God is there as the lawgiver, as the holy, righteous, fearful judge. So if you would, just turn in your Bibles to Exodus 19. We're going to look at verses 16 through 25 so you can see this picture. And I want you to picture it. I want you to get this picture because I think as I left last week, I left with this picture of God being holy and fearful, but I want you to have hope in the middle of that. And I don't know that I left last week with hope. I left with this need to just wash my clothes, right? What, what do I do? I'm not ready to meet with God. And all of that is true. But today I want you to see hope. I want you to see there is real hope, and that hope is found in Jesus. But let's get the picture real quick. Let's look at the passage and make sure we understand the fearfulness involved here at Mount Sinai, beginning with verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Okay, a couple of things. Anybody here scared by storms? This is okay. It's okay to admit it. When you, you wake, you've ever been a, just woken up in the middle of the night, like awakened by a storm? Anybody? Like it's just that loud thunderclap and the lightning striking. This is happening on top of a mountain with all the people. And they know that the reason it's happening is not because a storm just rolled in, because God just showed up. And then there's a long trumpet blast, this loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. It's loud enough for even the strongest, most macho Israelite is now quaking and trembling. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. This isn't a little fire. This is like the whole mountain is on fire. It's full-on volcano is what's happening here. That's the picture we get is this full-on eruption of God's presence among his people, and they are absolutely trembling. The whole mountain is trembling greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke. Just make sure you understand this. God's blowing the trumpet. Nobody else is blowing a trumpet. So they're not sitting there going, hey, Bobby, stop with the trumpet. Right? That's not happening. Like, Bobby Israelite is not over there blowing a trumpet. God's blowing the trumpet and it's getting louder and louder. They can't control it. They're all holding their ears now trembling before a holy, awesome, righteous judge. And they know that they have been the complainers. They know that they are not holy and righteous. They know their sin. And they are quaking in their sandals. They are standing there in fear, trembling greatly along with the mountain. The sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, and Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. He says this, Moses, you're the only one who can come up. The rest of them set a perimeter around the mountain. They can't touch the mountain. If uh, if their beasts touch the mountain, they need to be stoned and killed. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. God is fearful in his holiness. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, go down and come up bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Moses is the only one invited up the mountain until the end there, and then Aaron's going to come up. People only come by invitation, and there aren't many invited onto the mountain at Sinai. 
God is worshipped in his glory and his holiness and in fearfulness because he is the righteous judge and he is holy above all. And if you leave the story there, you can imagine that all God wants is for you to be in fear of him. You would think that that's God's desire. But as the whole story unfolds, God says, look, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to love you. I'm going to set my love on you. I'm not getting much love from this picture of doom and gloom on the mountain. Is everybody with me on this? If I just read this picture, all I'm getting is fear. But what we want to see today is this passage in light of what the New Testament shows us. Because as believers, we believe that the whole Bible is about Jesus. And as followers of Jesus and partakers of the new covenant in Jesus Christ that we, that we just celebrated a little while ago, we know that the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. And that it takes the shadows of Jesus and makes them clear. That it takes the the shadows in the Old Testament and it gives them substance in the New Testament. And so I want you to turn over to the book of Hebrews. Because in the book of Hebrews, we have a story full of Old Testament references. The writer of Hebrews talks about the prophets. He talks about Abraham. He talks about Cain and Abel. He talks about Melchizedek. All stories that we can read in the Old Testament in Genesis. And then he even talks about Moses. And in Hebrews chapter 12, he's going to give us a very different picture of a mountain in contrast to Mount Sinai. And in doing so, he's going to tell us as believers what our hope is when we come to the mountain of the Lord. As context for chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews has thus far argued that Jesus is greater than Moses, greater than the angels, greater than the prophets. He's the firstborn of the Father. He's the very image of God. He's the beloved one, the exalted one. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 says, Long ago and at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, after consecrating, after doing the work of purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He went up the mountain and sat in the presence of God, something that even Moses didn't do. He sat down in the presence of God. No high priest ever did this. And it says in verse 4, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus is greater than Moses, greater than the high priest, greater than the prophets, greater than the angels. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews wants us to understand that as believers we can walk in confidence because of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. That now we're secure to Christ, that we are in Him, and we have access to the Father. We have access to a joint inheritance with Christ, that we are no longer people who have to fear judgment, but we have a reward in Christ Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 11, he lays out this entire, what we call the hall of faith, going all the way from what was happening with Cain and Abel, all the way through the Old Testament. We're seeing all of these characters that you can read about, and all of them are justified before God by faith. That they're saved by grace through faith. But every last one of them, it is said of them that they were looking for something. Their faith was longing for something, yearning for something. And the way it's put is this. It was a country that was coming, a city that was coming. 
not made by human hands, but a city set in the heavenlies. Hebrews chapter 11.10 says, He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Hebrews 11.16, But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. And then in chapter 12 of Hebrews, get to chapter 12, we get this beautiful picture what every believer in Jesus Christ now has in Christ. And so I want you to see this. Look at chapter 12 of Hebrews. And I want you to let it interpret Exodus 19 for us. To see the fullness of the promises of Christ. The good news for believers in Jesus. And in looking at Hebrews chapter 12, I hope you will see that everything is the same, but Jesus changes everything. Everything's the same, but Jesus changes everything. So look at Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 18. This is what the word of the Lord for us says. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Get the picture? You have not come to Mount Sinai. That's what he's saying. You as believers, because of Jesus Christ, have not come to Mount Sinai where there's fear and there's trembling. You have not come to Mount Sinai. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touched the mountains, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Like he, he still needs to be listened to. In fact, even more so, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, yet now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Everything's the same, but everything has changed because Jesus has changed it all. But one thing that remains is God. God never changes. And before you would think, oh, well, yeah, I get it. The God of the Old Testament was the God of, like, judgment and that God. And the God of the New Testament is God of grace and mercy. So I get that there's two different kind of elements of God. God changes between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Look back at the passage. God has not changed in his character and his worth, has he? He is still the judge of all. Verse 23. Verse 25. He's still a speaking God. And he's a speaking God that deserves to be listened to. If he spoke from Mount Sinai and said something and it was important, what he's saying from Mount Zion is even more important and needs to be listened to. Verse 28, he's still worthy of worship. He's worthy of reverence and all. Verse 29, he's a consuming fire. We just got a picture of that in Exodus 19. 
Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that's who he is. He can consume much more than a mountain, much more than a bush. He is a consuming fire. God has not changed in his character and his worth, but something has changed. Quite a bit has changed because of Jesus. Quite a bit has changed when he says things like, you have not come to Mount Sinai, you have now come to Mount Zion. For the believer in Jesus, the location of hearing from God and worship has changed from Mount Sinai to Mount Zion. We no longer come to Mount Sinai to worship. We don't come to the wall to worship God. We don't come hoping we can have a hearing with God. We don't come with Moses scrambling up the mountain three or three times to hear from God. We now get to come to Mount Zion from an earthly mountain to a heavenly mountain, from a fearful mountain to a joyful mountain. We get a different type of gathering. So think back to Exodus chapter 19. In Exodus chapter 19, the people couldn't go up the mountain. They're in the camp and they're standing around and they can't touch the mountain. They can't do anything. Right? It's an earthly mountain that God's presence comes on and they are not invited. But, oh, Mount Zion is full of joy. Look at the joy expressed here. Verse 18 tells us you haven't come to this place that can be touched, this earthly mountain, but instead you've come to this place of great joy. A heavenly mountain, verse 22. A heavenly city. The city of the living God. Psalm 48 gives us a picture that great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, His holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation and the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north. The city of the great King. This heavenly Jerusalem. This promised city that Abraham and the fathers of old were longing for and waiting for. Every believer in Christ now has access to. A city not made with human hands. And in this place, the whole tone changes from fear and dread to a place of great celebration. Psalm 48, verses 9 through 11. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple, as your name, O God, so your praise reaches the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Now we can even look at the law of God and find joy. We can look at the judgments of God and we can find joy because we have access into the presence of God. So for the believer in Jesus, the location of hearing from God has changed. But so has the tone of that place. For the believer in Jesus, Mount Zion is a place of invitation instead of a place of separation. We now get to come up the mountain. Think about that. God's presence is on the mountain and he goes, come on up. All of Exodus 19 is stay back. Like, don't let them break through or I'll have to kill them. Hebrews chapter 12, come on up. Join us on the mountain. You're invited to the mountain. Why? Because of Jesus. You're invited to the mountain because Jesus is a better mediator than Moses. Moses runs up and down three times. Jesus, once for all, died for sin, went up the mountain and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And now you and I get invited up the mountain because of Jesus. And look who's there. Look who's there on the mountain. It's not just Moses and Aaron. Look who's on the mountain. Innumerable angels... They're in a festal gathering. They're they're celebrating. It says here that there's an assembly. That that word assembly is actually the word for church. 
that there are believers. This assembly is the same word that was used of the people around the mountain in Exodus 19 is now used to talk about the people who are on the mountain and they're the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Remember back to Exodus chapter 4 when God is telling Moses that now you've got to go in and get my people and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You know what? Remember what he called his people? My firstborn. In fact, he was going to require the firstborn of Pharaoh in Egypt in order for his firstborn to be set free. These are the people of God. These are the people of God, not made holy by their own good, but made holy by the work of God in Jesus Christ. They're the spirits of the righteous made perfect. All those people from Hebrews chapter 11 that we read about in the Old Testament who placed their faith in Jesus and longed for Mount Zion, longed for that city on a hill, longed for that country that was coming. Now they reside there in the presence of God. They died in the faith, awaiting the final resurrection, and now declared righteous by God through faith, made perfect by this promised Messiah, Jesus. See, the difference... The difference is at Mount Sinai, the people of Israel were not invited up the mountain. But at Mount Zion, Mount Zion were invited up. At Mount Sinai, the holiness of God would not permit people up the mountain. The sinfulness of the Israelites would not permit them up the mountain. The judgment of God would not permit them because of His perfect law in their sinful hearts. And so Moses is the only one who could go up as the mediator. But now Mount Zion? Mount Zion is full full of those who by grace through faith are invited into this festival of worship. Mount Zion is full of those who because of our once for all mediator now has we now have access into the presence of God. We're no longer hearing from God and going God can't can't handle that. (laughs) Stop talking. Just talk to Moses. No we hear from God. And we we hear His love and we hear His mercy and we hear His judgments and we see them as sweet and we understand them to be good. God has, through Christ, made a one-time offering, Hebrews chapter 10 would tell us, a single sacrifice for sins. And then He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until His enemies should be made a footstool for His feet. And by a single offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. It's the invitation. We're invited up the mountain. Draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The consecration has happened because Jesus shed His blood for us. And so at the center of this whole celebration up on the mountain, we get invited up the mountain and when we get up on the mountain, we see everybody who's gone before us who died in faith, right? Who died in the faith. They're all there and they're all celebrating. The angels are all dressed up for the party. We're all ready to celebrate and the center of attention goes to Jesus. A center of attention goes to Jesus. Look at what it says, verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You've come to Jesus. And at the center of this whole celebration is Jesus, the mediator, who speaks forgiveness and redemption. Remember Abel back in Genesis? His brother Cain killed him. 
And it said that His blood was crying out from the earth. That's how God hears of this. And, and from that comes the cry and the curse of vengeance. I don't know about you, but I find redemption and forgiveness a better word than vengeance. And through the blood of Jesus, what we're being told is all the vengeance against sin was put on Jesus so that now He offers forgiveness and redemption. That's the better word that His sprinkling of blood accomplishes for us. This is the good news. This is the good news of coming to Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19 is that we don't have to stay there. Now there's another mountain. We have Mount Zion. Sinai's been replaced. So I don't know about you, but when I read about Mount Sinai and I read the Ten Commandments and I read through the law and I go, I ain't done that one really well. I haven't done that one really well. I really struggle with that one. That one I'm really good at, but probably not to the degree I should be. And really only because I'm comparing myself to another person who's really bad at it. Do you ever notice how we only compare ourselves to people who are worse than us when it comes to sin? Right. But I come to this place when I, when I read of Mount Zion and I hear Jesus, through His sprinkling of His blood, has now sanctified me, has now consecrated me. I have access into His presence. I get to come before Him and there's freedom there. There's freedom to rejoice. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Well, He tells us. That's what I love about the writer of Hebrews. He doesn't leave us hanging this is what he tells us. Now that you know this, now that you know you don't go to Mount Sinai, you come to Mount Zion, now that you know this, here's what you do with it. One, you need to pay attention to what Jesus says. Because if what God said at Mount Sinai was important, how much greater is what's coming out of Mount Zion? If what was said on an earthly mountain was important, how about the heavenly one? And we need to pay attention. And we need to, we need to heed the warning. We need to hear the truth. And we need to hear the warning. If, it, if what he said at Mount Sinai was important, how much more important is what he's saying now in Christ Jesus? See, we have a tendency, though, to, to want people to, to change based on the law, don't we? If they would just get their lives straight. Don't you realize if you would just stop doing this and start doing that? That's Mount Sinai. You hear Mount Sinai in that, don't you? Mount Zion says, Jesus has sprinkled you clean by His blood. Trust Him. That's Mount Zion. It's a huge difference between the two, isn't there? Well, where do we hang out? Which mountain do we come to? And that, that's really the issue here because the second thing you need to see in application is this. Do not miss the warning. He will shake the earth again. He promises it right here. I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Yet once more, I'm coming to shake stuff. Exodus 19, I shook a mountain. But I'm coming in again and I'm shaking everything. Make sure you're worshiping at the right mountain. We need to make sure we're worshiping at the right mountain. See, when we come to Sinai, we come and what we tend to do is we tend to bring all of our self-righteousness and we say, I think I can make it up further up the mountain than you can. Remember, only Moses made it up the mountain. And even he went trembling. Right? He's only by God's invitation, and Moses and Aaron went scared. And when Moses came back down, he came back white haired and glowing, radioactive. 
This is the reality of what happens. Like people could not look him in the face. This is the reality of Mount Sinai. So when we stand around, we are as good as the animals. You don't get to touch when we stand around Mount Sinai. You catch that? Don't even let the livestock touch the mountain. We're just as good as the animals. That's all we are around Mount Sinai. None of us get onto the mountain. We don't get to scale up a little bit higher than anybody else. No, 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 but Mount Zion. Come on in. Come on up. Join the party. Celebrate Jesus. Heed the warning and make sure we're worshiping at the right mountain. Not a mountain of self-reliance and and a mountain of self-justification, but a mountain that that celebrates Jesus' justification. Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus' mercy and grace. Jesus' worth. Don't miss the warning. And this one seems really simple. But could we just end with this? Be grateful. Be grateful in worship. Grateful that we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Because there's a lot of shaking going on. There's a lot of shifting sand around. We stand on Mount Zion secure. So be grateful and worship. That's what he calls us to. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. He still says, and don't forget, when you're on the mountain, God is a consuming fire. He still deserves reverence and awe. You don't get to come up there going, hey, buddy. You come up in reverence and awe because of who He is. Don't miss that. Offer Him worship that He deserves. Don't miss the warning. Be grateful in worship. Listen to what He says in Christ Jesus. This new word, this better word of forgiveness and redemption. So I want you to see this today. Because I think it's really essential for us as believers to not hang out at Mount Sinai for too long. But understand we're built for Mount Zion. That's why He's made us. And it sounds really good, doesn't it? Because if you're like me, you're just waiting for heaven in Mount Zion. Anybody else? Ready for Mount Zion? Let's get to Mount Zion. Let's go to Mount Zion. I'm happy to just go ahead and get to Mount Zion. I want you to pay attention to something real quick because I think this might just change your life. I think this might just change your life, and I know it should change what happens every time we gather together. Look at verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 12. But you are waiting to come? Or you have come. You have come to Mount Zion. You're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. You're secure in Him. It's saying, literally, that when we come to worship, we now live in this, free from the curse of sin and death, free from the curse of of the law, free to worship the Lord, free to join in with the myriads and myriads of heavenly hosts praising the Lord. As we gather as the church, as the assembly, we join with the whole cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, all of these saints made righteous, 
all of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, all of the angels around the throne, we actually right now gather with them to proclaim how great God is and to worship with them. You're literally worshiping alongside those who have gone before who are worshiping at the throne. There is a spiritual reality going on that's much greater than the crowd in this room. And when we lift our voices to the Lord, we're lifting them with the myriads of angels and with the heavenly host and with those who have gone before. And you're singing with your loved ones who died in the faith. And you're singing with Abraham and with Moses. You're singing with Peter and Paul. You're singing and proclaiming the worth of Jesus. As we gather, we are ushered by the blood of Jesus that sprinkled for our salvation and consecration. We are ushered into the very presence of God. And I don't know about you, but that might just change the way I prepare to come to worship. That might just change the way I sing. That might just change the way I proclaim the excellencies of Jesus in my worship. So here's how I want to close today. It's a time of commitment and it's a time of response. Would you stand with me? We sang this just a little while ago, and it was beautiful because, well, you guys always sing so well. But for just a second, would you just close your eyes for just a second? I had you stand up to close your eyes because I know the danger of closing your eyes while you're sitting. Would you close your eyes for just a second? And picture... Picture what it's like right now to understand this. You're on the holy mountain of Zion. Jesus is there. He's paid for you to be there. He's invited you up the mountain. Those you love who have died in the faith are there. And they're worshiping. They can't stop worshiping. (laughs) The angels are bowing before the Lord. The saints of old are there. And now would you sing this song as if you're in the presence of Jesus? Think of the words, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Just the words praise God are enough, aren't they? Just to elicit some sort of response from us. But He is a God of all blessings. And they don't just come one at a time, they continuously flow from His throne. All creatures here below should praise Him. We're we're the least likely to praise the Lord. But we join now with the heavenly hosts who are above to praise Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let's sing like we're singing with the heavenly host. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all.